Hey, this is Curtis Warren, the middle school pastor of Alderwood Community Church. Right now we're in a series called The Life of David, A Man After God's Own Heart. Our hope and prayer for you is that as you listen to these messages, you're able to examine your own heart as you strive to be an everyday follower of Jesus. The nation of Israel, okay, the nation of Israel, God's people, they've been God's people for uh, hundreds, uh, thousands of years at this point, and they have sort of rejected God as their king. I'm coming up in the story. They rejected God as their king. And they said, you know, we want, a, we want a, a king king. We want like a king we see. We want a king to rule over us. We want a man instead of God. And so they reject God as their king. And God graciously steps to the side and says, I'll, I'll give you a king. You won't like it, but I'll give you a king. You shoot your eye out. You guys remember from last week. It's great, right? I want to tell you a quick story, though, before we dive into where we're at, because we're going to meet this new king tonight. Uh, but before we get there, I want to tell you a little story about my kids. My kids, uh, their names are, are Cadence and Travis. A lot of you guys uh, know them. Cadence is six in first grade, and uh, Travis is three. And um, my kids, a lot of times, want to do things on their own that I've told them not to do. Right, like things that I still need to do for them, but they want to go ahead and do it on their own. Like, have you guys ever seen, you know, the little single serving yogurts? You know what I'm talking about? Where you have to like peel the top off. Like, you know, like when you peel the top off, sometimes kind of hard to peel it off. And and if you're not careful, you could go, right? And uh, so every morning, my kids they they get up and and we put out some breakfast for them, and then um, and. But this morning they didn't, they get up before we do. So they went downstairs and Travis decided that on his own, even though I've told him before, you're not supposed to do this. He went down on his own. He grabs his own yogurt and he proceeds to rip the yogurt open and it spills everywhere, right? Now here's the response I get, Travis. This is his favorite response right now when he knows he's been caught. I did it on accident. But here's the thing that I'm trying to instill in him. No, you didn't. You did it on purpose. Like the, 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 the actual spilling of the yogurt, that was an accident. But he was never supposed to have yogurt because dad didn't come and get it for him. Right? And so he'll do these things. Like yesterday, he pinned his sister and she screams. And I'm trying to deal with like guy who came to set up our internet at our house and like he's there and I'm like my kids are losing their minds right and and he pinches her and then she's like Travis pinch me right she's freaking out and I'm like Travis why would you pinch sister I did on accident <laughs> bro no you didn't you pinched her man like you don't oh what am I doing ah oh, right he didn't do that he pinched his sister you guys the reason he goes down and he does that, the reason he went down to get his, his yogurt is because he's impatient. That's okay. Like, we're all impatient. He's impatient. And he's prideful. And so are we. Prideful. And pride says, I don't need you. At least that's what it says to God. So much is up in this story. Uh, Saul is anointed as the king over all of Israel. This guy named Saul. Saul is a tall man. He is a man's man on the outside. 
He looks strong. He looks strapping. He is the guy that you were like, if he was walking down the street, you're like, yeah, that's the king. Like, that's him, right? You would just look at him. He's kingly the way that he looks. But he's going to show that he's not very kingly in his actions. And so in 1 Samuel 13, I'm going to catch us up just in the story, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the actual scripture there. But I'm going to tell you what goes on. Saul takes 3,000 soldiers. Okay, he takes 3,000 soldiers to fight these people called the Philistines. They're going to have lots of problems over the course of the next hundreds of years, uh, the people of Israel, with these people, the Philistines. But the, he takes 3,000 guys to go fight the Philistines. And his son, Jonathan, runs off with 1,000 of them. And he goes and he attacks a Philistine outpost with a 1,000 of the Israelites. Now, here is how you know the Philistines are not to be messed with. Like that they're not just some weak little people that can trample on. It says in God's word in 1 Samuel 13 that the Philistines described the Israelites because of what they did. They attacked one of their outposts. They said the Israelites were obnoxious. Like, I don't know about you, but like that to me says we don't view them as much of a threat. They're obnoxious. Like some of you probably know somebody who's obnoxious. You're usually not scared of them. You're just like, they're being annoying, right? And that's basically, Israel is an annoyance. They're not even worried about them. So the Philistines are ticked, right? They are fit to be tied. And here's what happens. Their response is to show up in force. In fact, God's word says that they are as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Thousand dudes as numerous as the sand. Maybe, maybe a bit of a like overreaction. But they bring everybody. Now the Israelites, they're scared, so they go and they hide in cave, and the soldiers are terrified. They're shaking in their boots, literally. And Saul presents a burnt offering. He he wants to worship God. He presents a worship offering, a burnt offering to God. But here's the problem is that he was told that he was supposed to wait for Samuel, the guy from last week, the guy who speaks for God to the people. Samuel was coming and he was going to offer this burnt offering. The problem with what Samuel did is this. Saul treated God like a genie in a bottle. He said, you know what? If I just offer this burnt offering, then God will have to give me the victory. Then God will be on my side as though God is somebody to be bartered with. As though God, the creator of the universe, is somebody that you can manipulate into doing what you want. Does that sound a little prideful? I think so. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 13, verses 11 through 14. This is Samuel confronting Saul, and Saul responds. He says, what have you done? Asked Samuel. He shows up. He's already done it. He's done the offering. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering. If you guys can put that up on the screen, that'd be awesome. When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I can offer the burnt offering. Here's a problem. What's he do? His response is to say, hey, uh, Samuel, I know you're upset, but I did it on accident. He has an excuse. 
You know, I did it because the men were scared and they were running away and I, I, I was worried. And, and you know what? You weren't here. You didn't show up. So not only is it his men's fault, it's also the Philistine's fault and it's also Samuel's fault. It's interesting it's never Saul's fault. But let's keep going. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Saul's response was one of fear. And we'll get to why that's prideful later. But I want you to hear here. Samuel tells Saul, your line will not endure. In other words, your son will not be king. That's a big deal. Your son will not be king. So another time, we're going to fast forward. Another time in 1 Samuel 15, I'll catch up with this story. Samuel tells Saul that God wants him to destroy these people. They're called the Amalekites. He wants him to destroy the Amalekites because of what they did to the Israelites on their way out of Egypt. Little history lesson, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt 400 years. They built the pyramids, okay? So they're on their way. God does these series of miracles. They get out of Egypt. They're on their way out, and the Amalekites see that they're, they're a bunch of slaves, and they're weak, and they're farmers. They're not soldiers. And the Amalekites attack them. Hundreds of years go by, and God says, I want you to take them out. Now, we hear this, and, and we might get a little, that little backstory. The Amalekites are not good people. I think we hear this and we go, well, well, that's not fair. Destroy all of them? Yeah. The Amalekites worshipped a god named Molech. They literally sacrificed their newborn infants to a pagan god. These are not good people. He's also told that he's not to take the spoils of war. He's not supposed to like bring things back for himself. He is just to lay waste to this kingdom not spare anyone but here's what he does he spares the king of amalek this guy named agag it's an awesome name okay and then he takes the best of the sheep and the cattle he takes it all for himself here's what it says in reaction to that before we even get to the exchange between saul or samuel who's speaking on behalf of god and saul god regrets making saul king Then Saul lies to Samuel. I didn't do that. Like I didn't, we didn't do, we didn't take stuff that we weren't supposed to. And tells him that he actually did do what God commanded him to do. Here's how he, here's how Samuel responds. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Then why do I hear sheep and cows? Literally, that's what he says. Why do I hear the sheep and the cows? And this is what he says. Well, the men. Again. Samuel's response to Saul. Enough! Literally, that's what he says right there. And I think he's upset. Like he's had enough of this guy. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul. He's like excited. Like, I want to hear. What do you have to say, right? Now, 
Some said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? Didn't God make you king? The Lord anointed you king for Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Here's what, here's what Sam, or Saul did when he went over and he battled the Amalekites. He took things. Why is that a big deal? You're like, That's not, why, is that, why is God so angry? God was dealing out something we call vengeance on those people. God's dealing out justice. And what? And that was to send a message to the other nations. To know that the God of Israel was not somebody to just be messed with. He's not some little mamby-pamby God. Right? So what did Saul do, though? Saul did something that all the kings of the time did. He took plunder. He took, we call it, uh, right? You, like, you hear, like, pirates attack people. I were taking the booty, right? That's what he did. He took stuff. Now, here's the problem with that. That is totally normal. All the kings of the day would look at their neighbors and go, I like what you have. I'm going to go beat you up, and I'm going to take it. So he changed the message that God was trying to send, and he took the message and the glory away from God. Here's how he answers. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission, the Lord said. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought their, back Agag, their king. We, then you didn't completely destroy them. We also know he didn't completely destroy them because David, when he becomes king, ends up fighting the Amalekites there, which means there's still some of them left. The soldiers, blaming, again, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Trust didn't make it look good, like, well, it was because they wanted to worship God. You worship God by doing what he says. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than to f the fat of rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination, errors like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word Lord, he has rejected you as king. You're done. So, what Saul should have done versus what Saul did. We're going to fly through this real quick because I want you guys to realize what's happening here. Submission over knowledge. And once, this is a question I want you to ask yourself. Do I follow God or do I just know about him? It is not enough to just know about God. Jesus says even the demons believe in God. I believe in God. Good. Even the demons believe that. Good for you. James says in scripture, what we do shows what we really believe. In other words, actions speak louder. No one cares what you believe until they see what you do. The next thing is he put himself over God. What we need to see is God over me. The question I want you to ask yourself, what do I place before God in my life? What is in front of him? What's more important to me than God? What drives Saul? What gets his kingship rejected. It's pride. He's saying, I was afraid. I wanted to. I thought. The key in all of those statements is I. Do you know you can be fearful and still be prideful? Still be thinking of yourself first? Because when we're fearful and we don't trust God, what we're saying is, God, I, I'm the most important thing. I'm worried about me. 
and I trust you to take care of it. See, God wants to be first, and he deserves that. As your creator, as your God, Jesus deserves that as your savior, as the one who took on himself and died for us at the cross. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 that you cannot serve two masters. You can't charge and at the same time say that God's in charge. You just can't. And we've asked the question before I know in middle school, we say, like, well, what's, what, are you, what are you making the idol in your life? What's, what's God in your life? Well, here's the thing. There's really only two choices. It's either God or you. Because no matter what it is other than God, it's you, your choice, your prerogative, what's most important to you. It's either God or you, and you cannot serve God and yourself. And the last thing I see he does, or he doesn't do, instead of what he does, confession over excuses. Here's the question I need you to ask yourself. This, is, this one's key, guys. This one's so important. This may be the hardest part of following after Jesus. This is the, the thing that I tell my kids all the time. Guys, this is why it's hard to follow Jesus. Confession. It's easy to do what Saul did. So easy to give an excuse. It is hard to own up. It's difficult. That's why I will sit there with my daughter on her bed as she's crying and there's tears rolling down her face because I want her to say sorry. I tell her, baby girl, this is the hard part about following Jesus. Because you need to know that what you did was not okay. And we never want to admit that to ourselves. But I love her too much I love you guys too much to allow you, to allow her to continue in her excusing of her own sin. To allow you guys to continue in the excusing of your sin. So how does Saul respond to sin? What do I need to do? How do you guys, how do you guys handle when you get called out for your sin? And do you have people in your life that are calling you out that you can be honest with? How does Saul respond? Deflection excuses. Psalm 51 says that God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. But we see the story of Saul that the inverse, the opposite is true. He does reject Saul for being proud and passing the blame. And all throughout those stories, all he does is pass the blame. So what do I do? We're going to land the plane. What do I do? Well, here's what you do. First, how do we answer the question... Do I follow God or do I just know about him? Well, here's how you know if you follow him versus just know about him. You do what the Bible says. You do what he says. James says that a, a faith without deeds is dead. If you're not living it, then you don't really believe it. My true belief in gravity is what keeps me from jumping off of high things that will kill me. I jumped off thinking I won't die then I really don't believe in gravity right it's my action that shows what I believe the next thing you guys is you need to own your sins confession over excuses own our sins they are not accidents oh I just did accident. no you didn't and we need to knock that stuff off I'm guilty of that too what was an accident it was a mistake. No, no. When you did it, you meant to do it. Now you're sorry you did it. That's okay. But let's just be honest. 
Let's be real. And you guys have someone in your life that you can be completely open with. And I won't be up here going, guys, it's your parents. Because I was in middle school once too. Okay? Maybe it's not your parents. Maybe that's not a place where you feel like you can do that. Maybe it's your parents, that's great. You have a super open relationship with them. Fantastic. I wouldn't recommend that it be one of your other middle school friends. Because let's be real, they're doing the same stupid stuff you do. Can we be honest about that? Okay. A little too real? A little too real? Sorry. Okay. I'll try back off a little bit. Okay. But it might be your small group leader because they aren't here to judge you. They are here to love you. And they want to hear about what's going on in your life so they can be there for you. The last thing, you need to give God the priority in your life. Make God a priority. And by the one way you can start doing that is by doing the basics. Just as we talked about last week and throw those last ones up there. The basics is simply this. This is what we think the basics of following Jesus looks like. It means that you have one focus, Jesus. You have two practices, reading the Bible and praying for 10 minutes each, three times a week. That's the baseline. Start there. Remember, this isn't the finish line. This is like the baseline. But you need to give God priority in your life. And if you're devoting any time to him, then he's not a priority. Jesus is not a priority if you're not giving him any of your time. You guys, we need to do what the Bible says. We need to own our sins. Realize they aren't accidents, but realize forgiveness is offered through Jesus. And then we need to make Jesus a priority in our lives. Repeat the sins of the past and be like Saul. But let's step up to the plate and be followers of Jesus. Let me pray and we'll get the band back up here. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray for those of us that really struggle with this. Uh, I think the, the hardest things in following you is honestly owning what we've done, confessing to you that we need forgiveness, being real with those around us so that we don't keep doing that thing. That is difficult. God, making a priority, making you a priority difficult if we don't schedule in time to do it. And it's so easy to excuse. God, I pray we would learn from the mistakes of those we see in Scripture and we would learn to follow you more closely. God, that we would love you more the way we ought to. That we would be truly thankful for the sacrifice that you made for us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.